Well, hey, welcome to the Ada Bible Church podcast, uh, Beyond the Weekend podcast, where we debrief each weekend sermon, focusing on extra points of connection and what there just wasn't time for in the sermon. So I'm your host, Stephen Lewis. I'm the pastor of Spiritual Formation here at Ada Bible Church. I help lead our children, students, young adults, and group ministries. This week, I'm joined by my regular co-host, Amelia Rhodes. And Amelia is our director of resources, and I'm also joined by our senior pastor, Aaron Buer. It's good to have you guys. Hey, hey. hey good to be back. So I'm thrilled that you're all joining us for this episode. Uh, whether you're a regular attender of our church or a visitor or a listener from afar, we hope this podcast will challenge you to study God's Word and grow in your relationship with Him. Just a reminder, uh, this podcast is going to be best for you if you've already listened to the sermon. So if you haven't, uh, I encourage you to pause this podcast, go find the sermon in our show notes, and make sure to catch it there. And then come back over and continue this conversation. So before we jump into the sermon, we had a couple snow days last week. I'm curious, Amelia and Aaron, what do snow days look like at your house? Uh, who's going to go first? Oh, I want to hear yours. I'm sure it's okay. entertaining. <laughs> well, uh, I still have five kids in the house. My oldest is a senior and my youngest is uh, eight years old. And so uh, that dramatically changes what's going down in our house. So last week, um, for one thing, uh, Sabbath was ruined. Uh, <laughs> Because usually my wife and I get to spend Friday together and our kids were home uh, for a snow day. So we ended up taking, uh, we went out for dinner, I think on Thursday, Um, but uh, all joking aside, uh, what it looked like for our kids was uh, they turned our living room into a fort because Mm -hmm. of a bluey episode and Mm -hmm. uh, just a ton of uh, sledding and tubing with uh, their cousins. I heard social media was blowing up with the Bluey episode four. It's from oh, everybody no. from Snow Days. Yeah. So that's, it wasn't just yeah, your house. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yep. yep. And there will be days you will miss that down the road, says the one who's almost in the empty nest phase. Yeah. So at our house, it was just very quiet. Stay home. Lots of coffee. We have one son still home. He's in high school. And, you know, he slept in and then he played video games and then he still went out, you know. Yeah. But he took himself sledding, did his nice. own thing. So. It was just a very quiet work from home day, kind of cozy. But I did turn on some records. Like we have a record player, Ooh. so we pulled out all of our '80s worship music records <laughs> and had, just had this very nostalgic party. Mm-hmm. And our son, when he comes home, he he walks in the door and doesn't even get in the door. He's like, "What are you doing? Why?" Why are you I'm just picturing so. friends are friends forever. Right. So right. we should move on. This yep. is just yeah. getting yep. into it. Right. Well, th- thanks for sharing a little bit about what your week looked like. Uh, jumping into the sermon, this week's sermon was titled Faith and Religion from James 1, 19 through 27. Amelia, you want to give us a quick recap of what it was about? Yeah. Aaron really challenged us from James that true religion, following Jesus, is going to shape a few things in our lives, including how we talk. So it was really all about our words. Loved the rein it in. So reigning in your words, it'll shape who we care about. That was really about the vulnerable, who are the vulnerable, and how do we care for them, and then what influences us. And it was really a talk about God's word, how God's word shapes us, and we live in this world that's always trying to pull us away. Uh, So what shapes us most, the word or the world? So it was good. Good word. I wish I would have had that phrasing for the sermon. What shapes us more, the word or the word? Where were you with that (laughs) phrase? There you go. I'll try harder. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. Well, that phrase didn't make it into the sermon. So was there anything else that didn't make it into the sermon? (laughs) Great segue. Uh, This this week. Oh, man. This was uh, this was a tough passage for me to figure out what goes in, what shouldn't, you know. Uh, So I would say the the, the biggest thing that was missing from the sermon in terms of text 
was I what I think is one of the more powerful verses in James, mm. um, which is, if I can find it, um, verse 22 of chapter 1, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So we could have done a, a whole sermon on that, you know. Um, and uh, that, that is a passage that really impacted me, uh, you know, as I've shared before as a teenager. But um, I just decided not to use it uh, and focus in some other areas. Um, so that was, that was mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, tough decision, but um, powerful scripture. Uh, something else that was missing from the sermon this weekend, you might have felt this if you attended the 9 o'clock uh, service, is our LED wall just like uh, had a problem. And so we we weren't able to use it for our nine o'clock, which was uh, it didn't affect me too much as a preacher. But I know if you were watching at a campus, there were probably a few more cutaway uh, yeah. shots where we had to um, you know to see what was on the screen, uh, scriptures, etc. We either had to do some kind of wide shot or anyway, um, just kind of a behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff doesn't always work. No. It happens, it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean our uh, service program director Nate sitting over here. And I'm just wondering how long does it take to reset to reboot an LED wall? Is oh, that like <laughs> just He's like your TV on and off? Or um... well, I'll tell you what I'm grateful for is we have people who really know what they're doing. You know, yeah. uh, it's not just that we have this technology, but we have professional people who can problem solve and figure it out. And and so we had it working again at the 11 o'clock. And so I was I was really grateful uh, for that. So no big deal. It didn't really impact uh, much, but it was just kind of a you know little adventure. Yeah. And, and like you said, it is a good time for us to remember that production team. They're here mm-hmm. 5 a.m. sometimes getting environments ready. Oh, and yeah. They're just doing a great job. Yep. I'm very thankful for them. Yep. So. When you think of all the things in James, there's so much. That's got to be hard to pick what to keep and what to not talk about. It's kind of like Proverbs. There's yep. just every line. There's something yeah. so rich. You could spend a year in James. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and just even uh, the pre-work. Okay. How long is this series going to be? You know, because mm-hmm. you could. There are churches that do, uh, you know, years yeah. in a book right. of the Bible, and um, and I, and we could do that. But at the same time, I would love for us to, you know, get around the Bible and get a um, mm-hmm. uh, get a little bit more in terms of Old Testament, New Testament, Gospels, mm-hmm. etc. So we landed on eight weeks, which means you have to leave some stuff out. You know, you can't mm-hmm. really go after every verse. So yeah, it's. It's, it's a challenge. I find that as a good reminder for us, though, to own our spiritual growth and grow on our own. So we can't cover everything in the book of James, yeah. but we can read it, and we can read it and study it on our own and add on to what we're learning and the great stuff that we're learning on the weekend services and study it on our own as well, yeah, not good. just depend on weekend services. Absolutely. And I guess that's another reason why this podcast could be helpful, that we can talk about some different things mm-hmm. uh, that we weren't able to address in the weekend service. But something uh, I hope everybody noticed the connection uh, between uh, James and the sermon two weeks ago and uh, the story that we shared mm-hmm. in uh, the worship yeah. segment at Carlos, who is actually one of our elders. I, I really loved that. Just like uh, here's here's what this passage kind of looks like in real life. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, that was a really solid video. And Carlos is a great guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we can link to that in the show notes as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was thinking you mentioned uh, James one twenty two, and as I was reading this chapter, that whole idea of just being able to deceive ourselves and how I oh, think yeah. what James is like, yeah, you can think you're following Jesus, and here's maybe like a litmus test or something mm-hmm. like that of whether you really are or not, you know, mm-hmm. 
And that's that's one of the powerful things about the gut punchy nature yeah. Yeah. of yep. James is it does help us look into, be honest about our faith and how it's showing up in our lives. Yeah. Something I think about a lot is that scripture. What is it? The heart is, uh, d- is it desperately wicked or something yeah. like that? And uh, I just kind of take from that, like your heart will just lie to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, not all the time, but a lot of times our desires, our thoughts, like they don't line up with with uh, what God desires and we, ha- we have to interpret them. Uh, so to use your phrasing, deceive ourselves. I mean, it's just so easy. And I think it's another parallel with the Sermon on the Mount. We've talked about that last mm-hmm. time. And Matthew 7, I think it's like 42 through 47 or something like that. The end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, hey, the, the person who listens to my word and puts them in action is like a person who builds their house upon a rock. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's we tend to focus on that. But then the, um, the person who doesn't listen, doesn't put them in action, they still built a house. Mm-hmm. They still have a house. Yeah. They've deceived themselves into thinking it's a safe residence. Yeah. You know, and um, but when the storms of life come, that's when they they recognize their deceit. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, alternate universe. That was uh, a sermon in this series because mm-hmm. the whole uh, you know don't don't just listen to the word, but do what it says. It is an echo of 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 Jesus, and um, this is just way off the beaten path. But um, when we were in Israel, so Stephen and I traveled in Israel a couple years ago, just on a learning tour. Um, one of the points that the speaker made was um, when you're in the desert of Israel, it's very dry, except for when it's not, because Mm -hmm. when it rains, it rains a lot. And then there's these flash floods and there's these things called wadis, which are dry riverbeds. And then they, you know, fill up with just like a torrent of water. And uh, this uh, speaker, his name is Brad. He was kind of saying, you know, what if what Jesus is talking about here is you build your house on the rock, but then there are these like torrents that will hit your house. And uh, if you're not building your life on the words of Jesus, it'll just, you'll get wrecked. Yeah. And and so that was a alternate universe. That was going to be a mm-hmm. sermon. Yeah. So. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That was powerful for me and something that one of my big takeaways from that trip actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, is there anything else you wish you could have spent more time talking about? Oh man. Yeah, there's always stuff. But, um, you know, my, personally, my favorite part of the sermon was around uh, words. Mm. And maybe that's just because it's been part of my experience uh, and it feels very real to me. But um, I wanted to talk about Jesus. Um, there was a book I was going to recommend by Emerson Egerich. Before you hit send. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it fits really well with the um, quick to listen, mm-hmm. slow to speak. Um, and so that's where that was going to go in the sermon. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like, uh, you know, you can talk for an hour, but people can't retain all that information. But if that's an area where you're going, hey, I got to get mm-hmm. better at this, that book could be really helpful. Yeah, we yeah. can link to that in the show notes. Yeah. And it's, it's accessible, too. It's not real long. It's very mm-hmm. clear. True. And it's one of those things where it's it's not hard to read. It's hard to practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, anything else that you wish you had more time spent talking about it? Uh, you know, just like, I guess, uh, under the hood of how we do things, uh, I I never was really satisfied with the last point. Like, mm. I, there were major differences between Saturday and Sunday, and, um, and that was the point about the world mm-hmm. and um, how we need to invite Scripture to lead us. Um, I, yeah, I could, I wish I could have spent a couple more hours, like just refining that. Cause I'm, it was pretty academic. It was pretty heady and it was true. And mm-hmm. I think good and, and sort of 
hard to implement, mm. you know? So mm-hmm. as a preacher, it's just one of those things you put in all this time and you get feedback and you practice. And then, you know, after preaching, you're like, huh, <laughs> it just wasn't as clear as I hoped it would be. And yeah, it's just part of the deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're only trying to distill down the world's influence on your life versus God's influence on your life. So yeah, I don't yeah. know why you couldn't, yeah, it's pretty simple. couldn't get, knock that down <laughs> in a few minutes. And yeah. it's such a big topic for us today. To yeah, and some of these the things thing. are becoming more re- more and more relevant. Yeah, yeah. It, it's complicated. It's mm-hmm. hard because yep. we've grown up in the world, and so we all of us have blind spots about it. Oh, totally. And you were trying to identify some of our cultural blind spots. Yep. On it, and uh, the version I saw was Saturday night. So I'm not sure exactly how you tweaked it, but I know you you tweaked it some and. I do think you identified some blind spots that are really going to mm-hmm. challenge us to think about, okay, those things, but also what other blind spots culturally might we just be going along with what the world says. We need mm-hmm. to really let the, the scripture shape our belief. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I've also thought in that idea, that fourth point, <laughs> that's where the power of community often is. Oh, yeah. And you had said something a few weeks ago in a sermon where we often will make a decision and then ask God, like, hey, I wonder what you thought about that oh, yeah. decision. Mm-hmm. And I think tied into this pollution thing, if we can get to asking God, okay, what do you think about this area of my life? What do mm-hmm. you think about um, truth? What do you think about sexuality? What do you think about this or that? And ask God to show us either through his scripture or through his community yeah. as we're doing that. Mm-hmm. Then that's where you can find some clarity yeah. on some things that uh, maybe are a little harder to find clarity uh, on. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we did get a couple questions in. All right. And uh, let's start with this one about joy. So what does James mean by joy? And the question was, is it a feeling? Is it just happiness? Is it something we're trying to make ourselves feel? Is it like we grind it out until we feel happy? Yeah. And that's from uh, last week's sermon about consider it pure joy oh, and yeah. others whenever you face trials of many kinds. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great question. Um, in my mind, there is a difference between happiness and joy. I think happiness is uh, a feeling that you have that's kind of tied to what's going on in your life, you know? Um, And I think joy is just uh, more deeply rooted. And um, I I think, you know, if you're going through something really hard, you're probably not happy, you know? Mm -hmm. You're not happy about loss. You're not happy about suffering. But it is possible to experience joy in pain and suffering because it's much deeper. It's rooted in your relationship with God. It's rooted in hope, the hope of the, of the resurrection. Um, but something I think that's important, um, is, um, we want to, we want to try when understanding the scriptures, we want to try to understand what the author meant by the word. Mm -hmm. Um, and so sometimes what we can do is kind of import American English version of the word into the text. And I think it's more helpful to kind of go, okay, what did they mean by this? Mm -hmm. And uh, there is a way uh, that all of us can do this. You don't need a Bible degree and you don't need uh, to know the original languages, but there's a tool called the Bible dictionary, Mm -hmm. you know, that we use. Um, And so there are online versions. There's uh, versions you can, you know, walk into Baker Bookhouse or whatever Christian bookstore or Amazon Mm -hmm. probably. And uh, find a Bible dictionary and, you know, for these big theological words like joy or this weekend, I'm going to talk about glory, you know, mm-hmm. what in the world does yeah. that actually mean? You know, yeah. we sing about it all the time, but uh, what are we saying? So these big concepts, these words, it can be really helpful to just, okay, look it up in a Bible dictionary, which is different than a 
Oxford Dictionary or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that if you want to go a little bit deeper in your Bible study, pick up a Bible dictionary. Yeah. And I've um, one that I use. It's a little, I'd say like a, there's a Bible dictionary and then there's this. It's called the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology. Mm-hmm. And so it has, instead of like entries with definitions, it has like paragraphs for definitions. And you can also use it as a self-defense tool. It's like that size book. <laughs> But um, Stephen, I am shocked that you have the deeper version of something. Um, but what what I I went and looked Joy up, um, mm-hmm. and so it's interesting because the New Testament you mentioned this the New Testament authors don't always use the, a word consistently. They have different meanings, just like we do. Yeah. About things, and so it talked about you mentioned salvation, right? And it's this like our joy is rooted in what God has done for us. And there's an expectation element to it. Hmm. But then there's also this element of, and I think this is slightly what James is trying to get to, in the midst of all that, he says trials have the opportunity to grow us. Mm -hmm. And I think about like starting at the gym or anything like that, where you're like, this is tough, but I can see the end goal here. And that produces some kind of feeling in us. That's different than despair, and it's not quite happiness, (laughs) you know. But there is some kind of um, something inside of us. There's a joy or a longing or a hope, and those those words can often be related. And um, I think that's kind of the nuance James is going there. He's rolling in the salvation and stuff because they would have been familiar with that idea. But he's saying, hey, these think of the positive that can come out of these as far as your own personal maturity and growth inside of it, and then have your attitude rooted into that as Mm. well. That's good, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was having a conversation this weekend about the Christian life is often just a paradox. You know, you can be grieving and disappointed and sad, yet have joy. Yeah. And that's really only through the power of the Holy Spirit. I think joy is one of the fruits of the mm-hmm. Spirit. And so if you're struggling and you're in a hard space, you're like, I just can't imagine having joy. Just know it's not something you have to muster up on your mm. own strength and yeah. will yourself into. This isn't a fake it till you make it, try yeah. hard thing, but really leaning into the Lord the Holy Spirit and saying, I, I need your joy in this situation. What does that look like? And yeah. it'll be a personal and meaningful connection there with God. That's good. That wow. is really good. All right. Well, another question mm-hmm. that we had is um, from this week's sermon, just you had mentioned in the widows and orphans section about vulnerability. Yeah. And so it's looking out for people, the widows and the orphans in that culture. Those are the, there's no social safety net. Right. There's nobody to look after them. And so these were the vulnerable people. And so where do we see that in today's society? And um, how do we, you know, care for people who are vulnerable? And maybe a way, is it just food and shelter, serving? You know, what are, what are some opportunities mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. to care for people? We had a conversation about this on the ride home immediately, just even that okay. question that yeah. you asked of who are you looking out mm-hmm. for and who are the vulnerable? And some of the people we came up with weren't your expected yeah. You know, people that you might think we know, a young couple that just moved to Michigan. And winter is hard if you've always lived in a very warm climate. And yeah. they're unprepared mm-hmm. for winter. I mean, it's hard for me, and I've yeah. lived here my whole yes. life. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> right. So just even thinking, who needs who needs help, assistance? And we had uh, a situation in our life recently, within the past few years, where it was a single parent that we knew was in our orbit. And I just watched this person struggling. And it wasn't food and shelter, but... There was just a struggle and I couldn't put my finger on it. And so we prayed about it. We just mm. really felt God was calling us to come alongside this single parent, but we didn't know how. And I think we can face that. Either we see all these needs and we don't know where to start yeah. or we we just don't know. And so rather than rushing into it, we just took a couple of weeks and listened. Mm. 
listen to this parent in, in the conversations, just in the very natural, you know, course of our life together, just listened and listened, asking God every day, what is it that you're calling us to? And then one day in the course of a conversation as she was describing a situation and struggle, I'm like, that's it. That's, yeah. that's the thing that God is asking us to walk alongside. And it was a monthly expense that we covered. Okay. For a year, that something that in that season of life they really, really needed but couldn't do on their own. And yeah. they were doing all of this really extra work to get what they needed to make it work. And, you know, it seems like such a small thing, but because it was God's thing, it yeah. was so huge of what mm -hmm. he did in their life, how that overflowed into our life. Like, I get emotional when I think about it because mm -hmm. I we couldn't have orchestrated it. And yeah. it would be this really unique thing that you would think I, I never would have thought to provide yeah. that but um, what God did through that. So it just encourage you to listen, yeah. ask God, listen, pay attention to people in your mm -hmm. life. And then when you identify, you know, you don't have to rush into it and he will, he will make it clear. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you uh, kind of prepared for this kind of opportunity. Uh, I have a friend, his name is Sean. And uh, I remember him telling me about, you know, they set aside uh, money as a family to give to the church. And then they set aside a, another, I guess, kind of fund that it's like, it's for generosity for, you know, whatever shows up, yep. you know, mm -hmm. and it sounds like, I don't know how it works. And I, you know, mm -hmm. we don't need your specifics, but um, there is a way to like kind of discipline your life and discipline your, yeah. your money and so that you can step into that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, your experience, that was pretty powerful, not mm -hmm. only for that single uh, parent, but also for you guys. Yeah. Years later, we yeah. still, she, she will still tell us stories of like this or that has happened yeah. as a result of that. But that what you said, that regular rhythm of setting something extra aside mm -hmm. shows that you're ready, you're yeah. prepared. Mm -hmm. And it yep. reminds me of when Paul was uh, urging the churches to collect the offerings yeah. for the famine relief yep. in the New Testament. He describes, I can't remember which letter it is off the top of my head, but he describes like every week, set something mm -hmm. aside yep. so you're yep. prepared for it. Sometimes you know what it's for, sometimes you don't. Yeah. But. I think um, you mentioned your friend Sean, and we actually were on the other side of that where something happened. We had like a... $200 bill for something stacked on another $200 bill for something. Yeah. And um, somebody heard about it and they just, uh, I think messaged my wife and we're like, Hey, can we come over? We've got something for you guys. Next thing I know they're handing us a check for those two things wow. combined. And they, um, and it was like, wow. And yeah. that was the same thing. They had that they gave their ties to the church, mm -hmm. but they also had a fund for yeah. when they found someone vulnerable in distress and, um, to meet those occasional needs mm -hmm. and they they did they gave it to us and it was incredibly humbling but it was such a generous gift yeah um and it was very specific for something that they mm -hmm. like you like you had mentioned in your story it, they i would anticipate they prayed about it for a while yeah. and stepped yeah. into it and um yeah it was god working through his the lives of his people to yeah. meet needs is, is huge mm -hmm. and isn't it cool too how these kinds of situations that it builds the faith and the trust of mm -hmm. like both groups of people, yeah. you yeah. know, like when you say, okay, God, we're going to trust you. So we're going to, you know, step into this generosity, mm -hmm. uh, meaning, you know, we don't get to have this money <laughs> to mm -hmm. save up for something or, you know, to fix something. And then when you're on the receiving end to just have what you know to be God providing through his people, like it's, yeah, it just builds the faith on both sides, which is, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the church became well known for taking care of widows and orphans. And so they did take this yeah, to heart. Right. And there's even a time period where like widow was an official position inside of the church ministering to other people because the mm -hmm. church was taking care of them. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so 
You have like Roman officials writing letters complaining about how the Christians were so good at right. taking care of their people. They're making us look bad. And if I was John Dixon, I would tell you what exact letter. Yeah. It, but I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Pliny the Younger. Probably. I think so. <laughs> nice. Could it be Pliny the Older, the Elder? <laughs> right. I don't know. But what I love about that is then they're going, we need to, we need to do a yes. better job of taking care of our, our uh, poor people because the Christians are making us look bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's part of the reason we have social safety nets and things are coming out of that ethic of trying to take care of the vulnerable. And so our society does this in certain ways. And so that's part of what makes our job harder to do is, okay, who's really vulnerable? Who needs help? How do we determine that? And that's what I loved about your story, Amelia, where you said, we sat and prayed about it for a few weeks. How Mm -hmm. can we actually do this? And so if you're asking, asking, okay, how do I I step into this area of vulnerability? I would say that's a great first step. Yeah. Spend some time praying about it. Prepare, you know, financially, if that's something you feel yeah. called toward as well. And put those two things together. And I really think God's going to make it clear mm-hmm. to totally. you, you know, totally. where you need to step in. That's a desire he will honor. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, another question we had is, how does one avoid being seen as sanctimonious in an environment that celebrates sexual, uh, sexual, secular culture? Gotcha. Even though we know that our purpose is not to condemn others by our self-control, it can be seen as being judgmental. Now, uh, we're going to have to dumb down the questions a little bit yeah. for the preacher. Sanctimonious? <laughs> I know. I, this is apparently someone who's kind of after my own heart. With some, some good. Stephen loves to use a big word. Really? He wrote big the fan of big words. He wrote the question. I didn't no, write I the question. If you were to, not that I don't understand the word, but if you were to rephrase sanctimonious for our, for our audience. Yeah. I do think there's something here, and what is at the heart of this, is how do you... Avoid being labeled mm-hmm. as just that goody two shoes who okay. is the church mm-hmm. person, uh, the Flanders from Simpsons. Oh, okay. Like, you know, like yeah, you threw yeah. on the yeah. screen. Like, how do you avoid like, that and actually be a real person around people, mm-hmm. though you're trying to uphold some kind of standards? So, how, how do you, yeah, how do you um, attempt to follow God's way in the face of culture mm-hmm. without either being a jerk or mm-hmm. seeming like you think you're better than everybody? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. It was a tough one. It's a good one. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is Philippians 2, where, you know, Paul is telling us to have the mindset of Jesus Christ, who, who though he was God, didn't didn't consider himself, mm. I'm going to mess it up, I should have looked it up, but Philippians 2, yep, just that yep. attitude of humility, having mm. that like-mindedness mm-hmm. of Christ. And so I think how we do it, not being a jerk, but living out with a spirit of humility, yeah. you can't control what people think of you, whether they see you as judgmental. I mean, you might not be judgmental and they're still going to see you as judgmental, but living with that spirit of humility and how you treat others and how you live out your faith. And I don't have anything to prove, just living out your genuine, authentic life in Christ. And um, I think of all, again, like the fruits of the spirit, their love, their joy, yeah. their peace, their patience, kindness, yeah. gentleness, and how we live out that self-control. So again, I think it's um, looking to Jesus, how he lived his life. He was bold. He was forward about things, but it was always to bring life yep. and in a spirit yeah. of humility. That's good. I think um, I try to have the mentality that, you know, I have chosen, <clears throat> excuse me, I have chosen to uh, be a Jesus follower. So I have uh, stepped into this. I'm going to follow the teachings of God and uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to give them authority in my life. And a lot of people haven't. And so why would I hold them accountable to the same, you know, because right. mm-hmm. they haven't, vol- I mean, sh- it, sure, God is going to hold people accountable for their behavior, but but I don't need to, yeah. <laughs> right. you know what I mean? And I don't have to treat people as if they're 
Um, well, you should be because they, they're not in a space where they're going like, yes, I am, I am going to pursue the way of, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's different with other believers, I think, because, um, you know, if I call myself a Jesus follower and then I'm pursuing something that's out, outside of God's design, I, I should expect that you're going right. to go, hey, man, uh, what's up with this? Uh, but we don't need to do the same thing, I don't think, with non-believers. First, we invite them to believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you're 100% there. It's what rules are we playing by? Yeah. You know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're playing by a different set of rules. We've chosen to play by one set of rules. We shouldn't be surprised yeah. mm-hmm. when they're playing by a different set of rules. And I've, you know, we work at a church, so our experience with this is somewhat limited compared to uh, some of you who might be listening and are in mm-hmm. a, a workplace that's really hard uh, yeah. to balance these types of things. Sure. When I've been in some of those environments, um, one of my goals has been to let people know I care about them. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm, I might have a different set of values, I still am curious about their lives. I care about them. Um, I, you do run the risk of being labeled something, but you know, that's not always the worst thing either yeah. for people to know your character. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think a good character carries a lot of weight and it might, it might cost you something in a conversation, but I think it'll gain you something in the long run mm-hmm. yeah. too. Yep. And so it's, it's not always the worst thing, but if we start with care and compassion toward people and, not trying to change them necessarily through that. Mm-hmm. It's helpful. So, all right. Well, we did have a quick question about who wrote James. And um, again, this is another one of those things where let me point you to a resource maybe. Um, I find a study Bible in the introductions to a study Bible incredibly helpful on these types of questions. And so I just have my NIV study Bible here. I also love my ESV study Bible. Mm-hmm. Um but it talks about James, the half-brother Jesus, is the one who wrote James. And then it gives me a list here of seven things that we know about James just from the New Testament. We know that he was one of the people Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. Uh, we know that uh, James, after Peter's rescued from prison, he's like, hey, go tell James. So James is already a key leader around that time period. And then we also know that he was um, killed for his faith around 62 uh, which is comes from actually comes from Josephus, but it's um, and so that one isn't from the Bible, I guess. So I just um, mischaracterized that. But, <laughs> but <laughs> you isn't know, it, I, wealth I, of knowledge. I'm trying here. This I'm is why here. we need the study Bible. <laughs> yes, this, um, but, the, but isn't it true? Uh, well, it seems to me that James was killed not long after he wrote this letter. Yeah, that um, which is kind of wild. Yeah, mm-hmm. church leaders say that they think he wrote it sometime, maybe even. And the early 60s, maybe the 50s, yeah. which would actually mean that this is one of the, if not the earliest pieces of scripture that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and there's, you know, the James before James, uh, who was one of the apostles, is killed, I think, in like 44. And that's it would when, be helpful if there were more types of names. Right, yeah. <laughs> everybody's Peter, everybody's James. Peter, James. <laughs> Uh, get some diversity in the New Testament names. I kind of cut you off there, though, but there was a previous James yeah. who was also killed. Yeah, so James, you know, if, if you remember from the New Testament, mm-hmm. there's a James and a John. Um, the sons of thunder. The sons of yeah. thunder, right? Mm-hmm. And those are Jesus' disciples. They're part of that inner circle. And James actually takes over the New Testament church. And there's a line in Acts, and I can't remember exactly where it is, and I hadn't picked up on it, but it's like, Peter and James are arrested. Mm-hmm. James is killed. Or an angel rescues Peter from jail. You know, yeah. and so it's like, okay, 
I don't know what you're doing there, God. You know, yeah, and right. but it's one of those one-liners, and that's after that James is killed. Then this is when James, the half brother Jesus, steps into leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's from approximately 44 to about 62. He's the the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He's um, the one when um, Peter and Paul come back together and they're having this conversation about Gentile believers. James is the one who's mm-hmm. kind of in charge of yeah. the Jerusalem church, and they're yep. talking to him about it. Um, and like I said, this stuff is in the study Bible, but it is kind of mm-hmm. fascinating to think about. And yeah. yeah, you know something. Uh, oh, I cut you off. Oh, I was just gonna say it's Acts twelve. Okay. Two. I just was reading that this past week and thought, oh, there it is. That, yeah. that James. And then that same chapter later, then it says, and then James. So that's where a study Bible helps to sort yeah. out which yeah. James are we talking right. about here. So there's a question that I I learned from Pastor Jeff around preaching, and it's just, you know, what's it like to be them, Hmm. to really try to Mm -hmm. feel that? And uh, it strikes me, you know, I've said repeatedly now in this series, you know, James is writing to his former church that's been scattered by persecution. Well, what's it like to be them? I mean, who who are these people that he's writing to? I mean, just imagine, first off, you uh, used to live in Jerusalem. That, that's probably where your uh, cultural heritage is, you know, your, your roots. Yeah, you don't live there anymore. You, you're out from your home. You're out from your job. You're away from your family. And you're part of this thing called the church. And, and now two of your pastors have been killed. Mm-hmm. Like, just imagine how disruptive and scary, you yeah. know. And so now I just imagine some of those early believers reading James' letter, knowing he's gone. Mm-hmm. Like, that just mm-hmm. must have been pretty intense. Yeah. And we and talk, he starts it with consider, consider your joy. Enjoy. Yeah. Consider and joy. You wonder, you know, if you take a job where the person has been just killed who had the job, <laughs> yeah, you right. know your time is short yeah, in that job. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, with the way things are going, it wasn't looking good. And so he, here he is, like, ah, yeah, any day now they could come for me. But you know what? Those of you out there, consider it pure joys when you mm-hmm. face trials because it's going to help you grow. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, it's just powerful stuff. It is. So it's this. I'm loving this series so far. Uh, so just great. Some great stuff. Mm, good. So as we look toward next weekend, um, what are we going to be talking about next weekend? Well, you know, I spent the morning kind of looking over my study notes because I try to do my kind of deeper homework about a month out. So reading commentaries and that kind of thing, um, getting a sense for the passage in the book. Uh, so I tend to pick up my notes um, the week of and, and, and try to build a sermon. Uh, so I spent uh, a couple hours this morning just thinking through how we're going to structure the sermon. And uh, so it's on uh, this. So we're now in, in James chapter two. So congratulations to us. We, <laughs> we made, made it, it through <laughs> one chapter. Um, that's great. And so it, if you read the, at least in my Bible, the heading is called favoritism forbidden. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it's really uh, a passage about uh, playing favorites mm-hmm. and discrimination in the church, and James is kind of warning, uh, challenging his audience about playing favorites, and he gives this very vivid scenario. And so I think this will be a, a good conversation for us because I think we all subconsciously play favorites. Mm-hmm. And uh, the word discrimination, that's not a word that any one of us want to admit about ourselves, and I think we all do in some ways. And what I really liked about uh, or like about this passage is James gives us some tools uh, to live by that will protect us from that kind of thinking, subconscious or conscious. And so, uh, at least for me, um, studying this passage has been very powerful to just, uh, okay, if I focus in on these areas, I think it's going to help me 
be the kind of person who doesn't treat people unfairly or treat people differently based on what I can get out of them, you know? And so this was really, really important for the early church. Mm. You see this all over the New Testament. Paul is trying so hard to bring Jews and Gentiles together. And I think James and other Jerusalem leaders, you see this in the book of Acts, they're trying to bring together sort of uh, Greek-minded Jews and um, Hebrew-minded Jews, Mm -hmm. you know? So they're different. So there's all these differences of people uh, in the in the New Testament church that the leaders are trying so hard to bring together in unity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredibly relevant for us uh, in an election year, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and, you know, just in general. And so, um, yeah, this this could be, this could be good. It's good stuff. Yeah, I'm was... looking forward to it. Is that then James 2, 1 through 13? Yeah. And so then, f- uh, yeah. And then the next two sermons after that, uh, Brad Holmes, our uh, young adults pastor, is going to preach and... Uh, I'm excited for that. So, okay. He's going to do great. Great. So, check out James 2 1 through 13. Read it a couple times this weekend and then uh, Mm -hmm. come with an open heart for what God has for us about showing favoritism. There we go. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. We pray this conversation was helpful and encourages you as you figure out how to make your faith real. Uh, Just a reminder you can send in questions. It was fun going through some questions uh, in this Mm -hmm. conversation. Uh, Head to adabible.info and click on this weekend. We'll also give you a link in the show notes for that. We're going to be back next week with another episode. But as you go, I challenge you uh, with James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. So I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.